Well, amen. <clears throat> Turn with me, if you would, please. A couple different selections here. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. If you go to 1 Thessalonians and mark your place there, <clears throat> we're going to be in there uh, throughout the message today. We'll continue to come back to that. As I told you last week, we're going to be in several passages of Scripture. Um, and as we study through uh, end-time prophecies, uh, we, we will be in many different passages of Scripture. Normally, as I'm preaching, I like to preach through a text and um, through a book, through a text. But uh, when we're doing a, a subject like this, the end times prophecy, we can be in books like Daniel. We can be in Revelation. We can be in First Thessalonians. We could be in Matthew. We could be all throughout Scripture. And I want to build this case. I want to um, help our church understand what the Bible has to say. Since the days of the early church, the rapture of the church or the second coming of Christ and the tribulation and, and all these end times prophecies, it's been a doctrine that most love to hear and many anticipated. Matter of fact, this church here that Paul is writing to, they were anticipating the rapture of the church. They, uh, they, they were just thrilled with it. How many of you like to hear about end times prophecy? Yeah, a lot of a lot of people just enjoy hearing about it. And um, it's just, some of it is just interesting. Some of it, as you see, especially today's world, as you start to see the things coming into play, you can see uh, the Bible just come alive. And uh, some of the things I think that the early century churches did not understand, we're able to, because I believe we're living in those last days, we're able to see a one world economy. I think in those days, it was probably a difficult thing to see. This mark of the beast, the, the, a one world government, a one world religion. Maybe in those days, they believed it because the Bible speaks of those things. And boy, I can say today, we can see it. You know, just within the last year of our life, we have been introduced to a vaccine and I've had people say to me, do you think the vaccine is the mark of the beast? And, and, and it's not, it's not. If you're here today and you believe that, you're, you're just, you're being deceived. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. It is a precursor. We can definitely see it as a precursor. If you're here and you have, I had someone call me and not a member of our church, but somebody called me and uh, from the local area, they watch our TV program on WLMB and they called and said, you know, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure about taking this vaccine. I, I, I just think it's the mark of the beast. And I said, well, I can assure you that it's not. And we talked, he had me on the phone for about 20 minutes and I showed him in scripture why I don't believe that is true. Um, and he uh, said, well, I appreciate your time. He said, but I'm not going to take it just in case. And I thought to myself, boy, I just wasted my time there. But um, there is going to come a time where there is going to be a mark taken. And that mark is going to be willingly taken. It's going to be one that is worshiping the Antichrist, believes that the Antichrist is God. They're going to take this mark and through this mark, and I'm getting ahead of myself in my study here, but through that mark, you will not be able to buy, sell, or trade unless you have that mark. 
but it even goes further than that. Those that do not receive the mark will be beheaded. Great, great death is going to come for those that do not receive the mark. And so it's interesting, much of this that we're going to study through Revelation as we study through the end times prophecy, much of it that we study, thank the Lord, those of you that know Christ as our Savior, we won't be here. We're going to avoid all of these things. But, but when we study end times prophecy, it ought to motivate the believer to share the gospel because we don't want anyone to have to go through this. The great wrath the Bible speaks of. The, the signs of the times are all around us. I, I, don't, I remember this song I was thinking about this week and, and I was singing it. And I'll spare you um, the tribulation of hearing me sing. But the signs of the time are everywhere. How many of you know that old song? There's a brand new feeling in the air. I don't even know if that's the right words. I make up words. Feast your eyes upon the eastern sky. Lift up your head. Redemption draweth nigh. <laughs> you don't want me to sing it. But the signs of the times are all around us. And uh, we've seen that. That was the foundation the last two weeks. The foundation that was being laid that uh, as we start to, to settle this, that Jesus is coming again. How many of you believe that? He's coming again. And um, go to, with me to Revelation chapter 22. Hold your place there in 1 Thessalonians. But I want you to see in Revelation, our Bible ends with this. Look with me in verse number 20. He which testifieth these things saith, and this is Jesus saying this, surely I come quickly, amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And this is the response. Jesus says, surely I, I'm coming. And the response to that is the believer says, even so, come Lord Jesus. That is our prayer. That is our hope. That is our desire. And that's how the word of God ends, is Jesus Christ is coming. And so the, the whole scripture is summed up with this event is taking place. Jesus is, is eagerly awaiting coming and receiving his bride. How many of you remembered your, your uh, uh, wedding day, the night before, the night before your wedding? And then that next morning, I, I remember, I don't know whose idea it was to, to keep the, the bride from the groom. I don't like that idea but I couldn't wait. I remember standing there at that front and those back doors opening and my wife walking through those back doors of the auditorium and I couldn't wait. I, I thought, just get this ceremony over with. I want her to be my wife. I couldn't wait. Jesus is anticipating. As much as we are anticipating seeing Jesus, Jesus Christ is that much more anticipating seeing us. You figure he gave his life for us. Think about the payment that he made so that eternity can be ours with Jesus Christ. He's longing for this. But until that day, we have scripture to read and we see these events unfolding. First Thessalonians chapter number one, in verse number nine, the Bible says this, for they themselves show us of what manner of entering in we had unto you. And how ye turned to God from idols 
to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. That's, that's Jesus coming again. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus. And I want you to mark this last phrase of verse number 10, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Which delivered us from the wrath to come or saved us from the wrath to come, took us out, allowed us not to have to endure. Let's look, let's look at verse number nine and verse number 10 this morning as we continue this third week in our study of end times prophecy. I want us to look at verse number 10 first and work our way back up to verse number nine. But we see this, the wrath to come. I want you to just mark, number one, this morning, if we have the time, what I love about a series is if we run out of time, we, um, we just pick up next week. And so I don't feel so rushed to get it all in. But I want you to see, first of all, this morning, the coming wrath, the wrath to come. There is wrath to come. And this is a specific thing. This is something we're going to search out here in scripture this morning, this wrath to come. You can mark this down as we begin to study this out, the great tribulation. There's going to come a time, it's called the tribulation. It's a seven-year period. Now, I'm not going to get deep into the tribulation today. I want to talk about this wrath to come because Paul speaks about this. And we're going to set the stage for the great tribulation. And so those of you that are Bible scholars, I know you're thinking right now, let's get into what all that means and, and, and what's going to happen. And, and uh, uh, there's a lot of events that are going to take place. But, but Paul is speaking here of the wrath to come as the, the great tribulation. Do you think that we're having difficult days today? Many of us would say, yes, we really do. I want you to understand this. This upcoming wrath will be worse than anyone could ever imagine. It'll make, it'll make what, what the trials and, and difficulties that the world is facing today, it will make it look easy compared to the wrath that is going to come when, when, when God pours out his wrath here upon this earth. This will be a, a time of hell on earth, literally. It'll be a, 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 an extremely difficult time here on earth. Go with me to the book of Daniel, if you would, please. If you're not able to find these uh, uh, places very quickly, I don't want you to feel bad, and I don't want you to just forget uh, and just sit there and not pay close attention. Don't let us turning to so many different scriptures through this um, uh, stop you or cause you not to be interested, just do this. Just write that scripture down. And then when you have time throughout the week, I want you to study this. I've got several, I had several messages this past week, this past week, people saying, pastor, that was really interesting. And, and uh, 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 they were showing me scripture that they had studied on, on the last couple weeks of our sessions. And I love that. That's what we're called to do. I want you to take what you hear in church in a short manner of time and go back and spend all as much time as you can being a Berean of the word, being a student of the word of God, studying it through. 
I can just really, in the matter of time we have, just kind of crack the surface into some of these things. But I want you to dive into this. And so I want you to write this down. Daniel chapter number 12, verse number one, the Bible speaks of this, a great time of trouble. This is the same trouble that Paul is speaking of. Daniel is an Old Testament prophet. He's, he's taken captive. He is, is, is uh, uh, then he's one of the, the Old Testament prophets that God allows to see into the future. The events that are taking place, we read much of the tribulation or the Antichrist or end times we find in the book of Daniel and it lines up with much of what we'll study in the book of Revelation. Daniel writes this, and at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to the same time. And at that time, thy, thy people shall be what? Shall be delivered. And everyone that shall be found written in the book. Daniel speaks of this great time of trouble, this great tribulation. He's foretelling of this. The Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians is telling of this great trouble, this great wrath, this great time of tribulation. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 24. Matthew chapter number 24. We've studied this through, but I want to continue to, to build upon our, our text. The Bible says this in verse number 21. This is Jesus speaking. So Daniel speaks of its time of trouble, this great tribulation. Paul speaks of this tribulation or this wrath that's poured out upon us. Jesus speaks of the same, and he says this in verse number 21. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor, nor every ever shall be. We're speaking, each of these speak about this great tribulation like we've never seen before. We're talking about the great tribulation, a seven-year period of time. Revelation chapter number six, if you'll go there with me, Revelation chapter six in verse number 15, Revelation 6, 15, and hold your place there in Revelation as well, if you would please. Revelation 6, 15, the Bible says this, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said unto the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. The wrath of the lamb. And what's just simply being described in those verses is this. The kings and the rulers and the presidents and the prime ministers of this world, they will not have a handle. They will not have an answer. They will not have a control. If you think over the last year, as we've seen a, a virus uh, uh, take over and no one had answers to it, just wait and see what happens when the great tribulation comes. It doesn't matter how much wealth you have. It doesn't matter what nation you're the, the leader of. There's no one that's going to have the answer. They're going to simply look without answers and wish that it would end. And the Bible calls it this. Look with me again in verse number 16. And from the wrath of the lamb, the wrath of the lamb. Now we speak of the love of the lamb and we speak often, 
we sang, I, I was just standing here in the front row as we were singing and, and just, I love, I absolutely love to hear and to sing songs about Jesus Christ. I love to hear words that describe him, of his power, of his majesty, of his love. I, I love to preach messages of Jesus Christ and his love for us, but I want you to understand something as we preach and as we hear messages of the love of the Lamb, going to the cross and shedding of his blood. That's only half of the message. The other half is this, the wrath that's going to come. Daniel, Jesus, John, Paul, all of these that we just saw here speak of this great tribulation, the wrath that is to come. Look with me in Revelation chapter six. Stay there with me and look with me in verse number one here this morning. And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw, I want you to see here, there's gonna be four horses here that we're going to look at here this morning. And I saw and behold a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow and, and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red and the power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, to take peace. Think about that. No peace, strife and turmoil, war, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. I heard just this morning or last evening, I don't remember at what point I heard it, but they were talking about the nations of our, of our or the cities of our country today and the percentage of, of killing that has taken place. I mean, the average major city in America right now, murder, killing is up over 50% in our major cities. And it's going to get worse in this time. One of the favorite cities that my wife and I, we, we love to go to, we learned that you could take a train right out of Toledo and it takes you right into to Chicago. And we've done that a few times. We, we, um, I, saw, I saw a Hallmark movie and uh, my daughter and I were watching it. And on the Hallmark movie, it looked really good. These two on, on a train, it was all great. Going to Toledo train station does not fit in a Hallmark movie. I can tell you right that. It may fit in end times prophecy. I will tell, let you, tell you that. But we used to love to go and we've said this, we don't even want to go there any longer because of the crime, because of all the things that we used to love to do, you can't do. Imagine what life is going to be like when there is a seal that's opened, the red horse is going to take peace from the earth. We see in when he, uh, verse five, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see and beheld and lo, a black horse. He that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see that thou hurt not the oil and wine. And he opened up the fourth seal. I heard the voice of the fourth beast, come and see. And I looked and beheld a pale horse. And his name that sat on it was death and hell. And f followed with him and power was given unto him, them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, with the beast of the earth. 
I want you to see, first of all, this passage scripture in Revelation that we see. We see what's going to happen. This great wrath is going to be poured out upon the earth. This great wrath, and we see as John is writing, he, he describes it, a seal is opened, and he sees a white horse. And that, that white horse, if you write this down, that white horse is a horse of dominion. Who is the one that rides on this white horse? It's the Antichrist himself. This is the Antichrist. He's riding with a, a, a dominion. The Bible says here in this passage, he has a bow, that describes power. He has a crown, that describes dominion. And he's going to ride and he's going to take dominion of the earth. The entire world is going to receive this Antichrist. The entire world is going to long and desire for one to come and bring them peace. And this Antichrist is going to deceive them, saying he is the one that is going to have peace. And he's going to sit in the temple, in the holy place. He's going to declare himself as God. He's going to bring peace to Israel. He's going to seemingly bring peace to the world. But it's all deception. His quest is for power. His quest is for dominion. We see that with the bow and with the, with the crown as it's described. We see in verse number four, the red horse. The red horse is a horse of destruction. The red horse is a color of blood. There will be war and there will be destruction. This is what the red horse is going to bring. When the Antichrist is coming in, he's going to say that he's the man of peace. All are going to look to him for guidance and for leadership. But what's going to follow once he sets up his dominion is the red horse of destruction. You think of the war machines today. Think of the nuclear giants of today. I want you to realize our world is just arming up. Isn't it so ironic? We're living in a, in a global world and everyone wants peace, but our nations of this world are arming up with weapons of war like we have never seen before. China is, is, is ramping up weapons of war. The threat in our life here today with Taiwan and will America get into this war with China? China, I just read this past week trying to do a much study of what's happening around this world. As we uh, uh, came out of Afghanistan, our bases that we built, our CIA bases and our military bases now sitting empty. China now is, is negotiating with Afghanistan government, the Taliban, to come in and take over these military bases. That's important to see. Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's important to see as the Tigris and Euphrates River will one day dry up and great armies from the east are going to come against Israel. We see it coming into play right now. And this, this red horse, there's going to come a time of unparalleled suffering for those who refuse to follow the Antichrist, for those that refuse the mark of the beast, there is going to be great suffering, great death that's going to come by this red horse. Verse 5 and verse 6, we see the black horse of deprivation. This speaks of famine. The scales weigh the, in, the, in the measure for food, soaring prices, starving nations, if you ever think to yourself, there's no way that could possibly happen, just turn the news on today. 
soaring prices for food. Nations of this world going without food. Billions upon billions upon billions. Uh, uh, There's not going to be enough food to feed them. There's going to be starving nations. And the Bible describes this as this. A day's work, uh, work is not going to be even enough to eat. Could you imagine working a full day and still not having enough to buy food? I went in to get a, a pop last evening. I went up and saw Tom, and on the way home, I said, I'm gonna get a pop. And I went into the gas station and a pop, and their shelves were empty. And I thought, this is the end. If you can't buy a Diet Pepsi, Mango Pepsi, something's wrong, you know? And I was just joking, just, just causing conversation with the person next to me. And, and it caused me to see, this is what it's going to be like. People are gonna go, and there's gonna be nothing to buy. And because there's going to be such a scarcity of food, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you won't have enough. And that's the black horse. Speaks of famine. Starvation is going to stalk the world. We see this pale horse of decimation. The pale horse in verse 7 of 8 is a sickly color. Millions are going to be killed. This pale horse, if he speaks of, I looked and beheld a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. And what this passage is telling us of is this, in the days, in those dark days, in those days of wrath, when God pours out his wrath here upon this earth, in those dark days of the tribulation that are coming, they're coming a day of wrath that no man is going to be able to take. No man is ever going to want to be here at this point. There will be hatred inspired by the Antichrist. And think about that today, just a vision that's inspired. And think about that as you watch Watch the news and the world news today and you think how a political figure can cause hatred and division in a world. It's happening all around us. And that's what this antichrist is going to do. He's going to come to power proclaiming peace. He's going to come to power proclaiming that he has the answer. And all he is going to do is inspire hatred in this world. And war is going to be brought on because of this hatred. And bloodshed is going to be brought on because of the war. And famine is going to be brought on because of the war. And famine is going to bring upon death. And following death comes hell, the Bible says here in Revelation. Hell. Death and hell are followed in verse number eight. Death and hell followed with him. Terrible days. And the four horsemen of the apocalypse, I believe this church at any time, it's ready to ride. We see the world coming in to play here. And who's going to be able to stand? Go with me to Revelation chapter nine, just a few pages or a page or so over Revelation chapter number nine. It gets worse. And the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven. That star is Satan himself. If you were to study through scripture, Satan was a angel that was was created by God. 
The Old Testament tells of this event that takes place in heaven, a great war that took place in heaven. Satan, a third of his angels, rebelled against God. Satan wanted to be God. He wanted to be worshiped. He wanted to be like God. And a great war took place, and he fell. He was cast out of heaven. And a third of the angels with him. Some were placed in in a great pit, chained there for end times. Others are roaming this earth today. We don't speak much of, 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 uh, of, of demons. We don't speak much of these fallen angels. And it's a difficult, difficult thing to even speak about. I think that Hollywood and, and movies have really uh, uh, caused us to, to, to have a wrong impression of these. But there are beings that are spiritual beings on this earth today that possess man. They, there's our spiritual beings that have, that have denied the, Christ, they've denied God, they they wanted God's power, they fell with Satan. Jesus, in his days, there was much where he would cast out devils inside of people. My dear friend, I don't believe that it's gotten any better. I believe if we're not, the reason why we have gotten so spiritually weak, we don't even identify it and see it any longer but there's spiritual warfare taking place all the time. The Bible says this, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. You and I, every day, without even recognizing it, we're facing the enemy, the onslaught of the enemy. And I've said this to our church over and over and over again, what God seeks to bless, Satan seeks to destroy, and Satan is doing everything he can to destroy your family and this church and any gospel preaching witness. Satan is doing everything he can with his demons, with his fallen demons, to do anything he can to discourage and stop the work of the Lord. And We need to recognize that. In Revelation chapter 9, the Bible says this, And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. Just think about this. The bottomless pit, the darkest place of hell, is opened up. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locust upon the earth. Unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. The key was given to the worst part of this pit, uh, uh, the part of hell. Listen to me this morning. This is demonic oppression is going to take place. Some people say this, I read through Revelation, how could these happen? Because there is going to be demonic oppression that's going to take place when God pours his wrath out upon this earth. He's going to loose demons from the bottomless pit, from the pits of hell. We read here in Revelation chapter 9, their whole goal, their whole desire, their whole motive is going to be inflict pain upon mankind. We see this in verse number two, this locust, infernal. It came from hell. These are demon spirits coming from hell. These locusts will feed upon man. Look with me in verse number four. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any any tree, but only those men 
which have not the seal of God in their forehead. They're only going to inflict pain on mankind. In verse number five and six, we see this of the, this locust, they're intolerable. Look with me in verse number five. And to them, it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And so this torment is going to come and no one's going to die. The locusts have come, they're just going to, just going to inflict pain. They're going to be intolerable. Every so often, we'll be outside during the summer and how many of you, you, you've been out in the place, it just starts to get dawn or, or dark and the mosquitoes start coming out. I mean, and you're, just, you're just hitting them all over yourself. Finally, you're just like, I gotta go in. I've never met anybody that stood out there and said, this is awesome, I love this. I can't wait to scratch all day tomorrow. No, imagine for five months, this pain is going to be so great they're going to want to die, but they can't die. Intolerable. They'll give, they'll inflict intolerable pain. The, look with me in verse number six. In those days shall man seek death and shall not find it. They're going to wish they would die, but they can't and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. This pain will be so intolerable. Look with me in verse number seven. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on the, their heads were, uh, as it were, crowned like gold, and their faces were as the face of men. These are irresistible. Verse number seven, you can't stop them. There's nothing that's going to be able to be done that you're going to get away from this intolerable pain. This, they're in, invincible. The crowns like gold, they're dominions. That crown represents dominion. They will have dominion of this earth. They will be invincible. Verse number seven tells us they have a face like men. These will be intelligent. They'll know what they're doing. Verse number eight, the Bible says this, and they had their hair as the hair of women. And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And if any man ever cleaned out a shower drain after his wife had, they know how bad that is. <laughs> no, that hair of women, that is not, uh, that's insidious. It means this, seduction. They're gonna seduce. They also have a roaring lion to shred and devour. Imagine this, they're gonna seduce you in and then devour you. I think of the world today, the addictions of mankind today. They seduce you in and then devour you. Think about all the things that mankind today long for only to find that once you get it. I was, had this conversation with my wife just recently. I've never had an addiction to alcohol and I've never had an addiction to drugs just, just never, never got into that. Never, never, never got, never, never was in that scene. Just never, never had an addiction to that. And, and be honest with you, I've never, I've never understood that until recently. Not that I've been in drugs or alcohol. <laughs> My wife said to me this, she says, do you understand? You can't say no to sugar. 
And I said, you're not, you're not telling the truth. That's not true. So I went out and I bought sherbet ice cream because it has less sugar in it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> we just had that conversation on Friday night and she left on Saturday and I was looking for something to eat and, and it was lunchtime and I thought, what better thing to eat than sherbet? And I got it out and there was only, you know, half the container left. I said, that's one sitting. And so I grabbed the container and I, I argued with her on Friday. Now I'm not addicted to sugar. I thought she left. I've got the container with a spoon. Literally, I'm going in for my first bite and the door opens and I look and it's her. And she said, we just talked about this. And I said, I know, I was putting it away. And Isn't it amazing? Things that seduce you when you know, they're just gonna ravage you. Did you know that it's going to pull you away? And that's what this is. It's going to seduce you. And then as a roaring lion, shred you and leave you defenseless. These demons, these demonic beings that are going to be unleashed when the wrath of God is unleashed, we see in verse number nine, and they had breastplates as it were, breastplates of iron and the sounds of their wings was as the sounds of chariots of many horses running to battle. I want you to see they're also insensitive, immune to harm. There's no good to be fighting back. You're not gonna be able to fight back. There's going to be a five month uh, period. Verse number nine tells us as well, inescapable. Running to battle. They're there everywhere. This is what for five months is gonna be poured out upon this earth during the tribulation. Verse number 10, there's gonna have power to hurt man for five long months. They have great power. They're indivisible. The Bible tells this in verse number 11, and they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue, Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue, same word, just one in Greek, one in Hebrew. And the Bible says this, in their, the, word, the name of this, if you're to study, the name is the name called destruction. The one that is gonna rule over these demons, his name means destruction. His goal is gonna be destruction. This is the wrath to come. First Thessalonians, if you go back there, my time is almost done. First Thessalonians chapter number 10. We see this, the coming wrath. It's happening, it's coming. It's described, Daniel says of it, Jesus warns of it, Paul warns of it, John writes in detail of what this wrath that's going to come when God pours his wrath, the seals are going to be opened, the bottomless pit is going to be revealed and wrath and destruction is going to come to all mankind like they've never seen before. But we see number two, we see this in verse number 10, the Bible says, and to wait, and to wait for a son from heaven. We see this expectant wait. The church is to wait. 
The Bible says, and to wait for his son from heaven, who, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus. And I want you to see this church, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Will the church be subject to this wrath? The answer is no. Oh, great tribulation is going to be coming. Daniel says the same thing. Daniel says this. He says, and, uh, 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 and, and at the time shall Michael stand up, a great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Daniel speaks of this deliverance. Paul is speaking of this deliverance. And I truly believe, church, that we are not going to experience this wrath. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 9, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God that God hath not, hath, hath not uh, uh, appeared wrath, uh, or I'm sorry, has wrath has not appeared unto us. Look with me in chapter 5, verse number 9. I read the wrong verse. For, for God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me in Revelation chapter three. I'm trying to hurry here. Revelation chapter three. Bible is speaking of the churches here. Jesus is speaking to the church and he says to the church at Philadelphia, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. You say, yes, but he's only speaking to one church. No, the Bible says after he speaks to every church in verse number 13, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto what? The churches. These are for an example unto us. Jesus specifically is speaking there in Revelation 3. Paul is saying in 1 Thessalonians that God hath not appointed us to wrath. He speaks of being delivered in chapter number one. Daniel prophesies of those that follow Christ of being delivered. God does not pour out his wrath upon his children. And he says this, I want you to wait. You know what the church has done since the first century church, we've been waiting on the Lord. Paul speaks as well of, of, of the dead in Christ shall rise and those that are alive remain. He says to comfort one another with these words. Oh church, I believe this, there's going to be a tribulation, a wrath of God that's gonna be poured out, but man is going to be raptured. Those that know Jesus Christ as his savior, the church, the bride of Christ is gonna be raptured out of this earth, delivered from the wrath of God. And I close with this, because I never want us to close with just, great, we're out of here. Because if we close with that, then we leave here. We're saved from this wrath, we're good. And if we're not careful, we can get so inward focused with that. I want you to leave here, number three, with the work to do. The coming wrath, number one. Number, number one, we see the coming wrath that, that, that is so clearly labeled here. Then I, then I want you to see this, lastly, there's work to do. First Thessalonians chapter nine, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. 
And that's what? And how will you turn to God from idols? Turn to God. You say, I don't have idols. If you're living for anything for yourself, and I think of in our world today, the idols that we have. Money has become an idol. Materialism has become an idol. Sex has become an idol. Our jobs have become an idol. Sports have become an idol. Just, just stop something that we love and see our response. If I said to you, listen to me, college football is canceled for the season. No, exactly right. Keith is already like, no, who told him this? Not true, I promise. But if I told you it was canceled, boy, an uproar. If I said to you, church is canceled. Okay. Listen to me, I'm not saying that those necessarily are bad, but when they become idols, they become bad. What do we do? There's work to do. Turn to God from idols. Oh, church, our job in these last days is to repent of our sin. Let's turn back to God. Let's turn back to God. Let's restore broken marriages. Let's restore broken relationships. Let's put worship in the church back where it belongs. Let's, let's, put, let's put godliness first in our lives. He says, wait. And then secondly, look what he says this, serving the living and true God. Begin to serve the true and living God. Live for him. Don't live for yourself. Live for the Lord Jesus Christ. There is work to be done. Listen to me, at any moment, there is a trump that's gonna sound. God's gonna look at Jesus and say, go get your bride. And he is going to shout and the trump is gonna sound and, and the bride of Christ is gonna rise and we're gonna meet him in the air. We're gonna be raptured out of this world and all of the destruction and all the harm and all of the destruction that we read of in Revelation is going to begin to happen during the great tribulation. And we anticipate seeing Jesus, but until then, there is work to do. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, repent of your sins and turn to Jesus. Don't, don't, don't have that attitude, I'll just take my chances or, or I'll just wait. No, 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 you may just wait too long. And I believe the Bible is very clear that those that refuse Christ, when they have the opportunity to receive him, will believe the great delusion or the great lie that the Antichrist gives and you will follow right in line. Some have said this, well, if I see all this happening, then I'm gonna get saved. No, no, no. You're gonna believe the great lie of the Antichrist. Today is the day of salvation. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus Christ. Don't be left here to experience the wrath of God. And Christian, 
knowing the wrath of God that's gonna be poured out upon this world, we must be diligent in sharing the gospel. I think it was a Sunday school teacher or a a wanna worker, I'm not sure which one, challenged the fifth grade class to hand out tracks. And so my fifth grade daughter has been going home every day asking people in her house to take a walk with her. She said to me the other day, I have 150 tracks. I'm gonna put them in mailboxes. I said, don't do that. My name's on the back of those tracks. I said, we'll just put them where the newspaper goes. Well, that's what I meant, she says. <laughs> She's just going around as many neighbors as she possibly can, putting a track in their, their newspaper holder. And then she goes back the next day and she counts and she looks to see if they've taken them. And she came back the other day and said, Dad, most of them are, most of the people took them. Do you think they got saved? That youthful, innocent, vibrant zeal for people to be saved. Church, let's not lose that. Let's not lose that. Let's tell the world that Jesus is the answer. Let's pray together. Father, help us, Lord. Help us to have empathy. Lord, the wrath, destruction is going to pour out upon this earth. It's going to be so terrible that man is going to want to die but can't. It won't end. And that's just the start of it. Because when man dies and then is separated from God for all of eternity, there is no more hope. And Lord, that message used to cause the church to go out into the world and preach the gospel. That message caused young men and young women to leave the comforts of their home and go to the deepest, darkest African deserts and the Amazon jungles and inland China and preach the gospel to the natives. That truth caused Paul to, to be stoned and to be jailed and to be beaten and eventually to, to be beheaded. And so, Lord, awaken us in these last days. Those horsemen are being prepared. The time is coming close to an end where your wrath is going to be poured out. And, Lord, people are going to be hurt. Human beings are going to suffer. And we have the answer to do something, Holy Spirit of God, do something inside of us. Just don't leave us the same. Stir us, revive us. Don't let us get comfortable. We excite great, great anticipation that Jesus is going to rapture us out. 
loved ones will be left. And so Holy Spirit of God, move in us. Would you stand with me, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed? I, I don't want us to leave here today without the opportunity to trust Christ as your Savior. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you, would you trust him today? Don't wait till it's too late. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. God sent his Son in this world to pay your sin debt, to go to the cross, and he shed his blood. His blood was your payment that you needed. Every sin you've ever committed have been paid for. The worst that you've ever done, Jesus already paid the price. Would you receive that gift? God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I wonder if there's one here today, you'd just simply raise your hand and let me pray with you today. You'd say this, today, I want to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. Today, I want to be saved. Would you please pray with me today? Today, I want to repent of my sins and I want to turn to Jesus Christ. Is there one like that? Just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. Is there one? Christian, there's work to do. There's work to do. How many of you would say this? The Spirit of God is convicting me, speaking to me, is challenging my spirit today. And I recognize that there is work to do and I want to be found faithful till that trump sounds. I want to be serving him. I want to, I, I want to be right with the Lord. I want to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to be telling this world that there is hope, that there is a Savior and his name is Jesus. How many of you would say this? That's my prayer. That's my prayer today. I want to leave here proclaiming the gospel, right with the Lord, serving the Lord, proclaiming, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you would say this today? Would you raise your hand with me, Father? You see these hands. You know their hearts. Lord, they desire to serve, to worship, to be right with you. We honor you. We lift up your name. We worship you. We praise you. Lord, we want to live for you. So give us the strength, the patience, the diligence that we need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day. Glory, let's